All right. Well, uh, we just sang Hallelujah for the Cross, and I thought about the lines in there, Love has won and death has lost. Hallelujah for the Cross. It rhymes, too. Um, It is what turned the world upside down was the cross of Jesus Christ. It turned everything upside down. But um, as we've been talking about, we have to see things in the invisible because right now it doesn't look like love has won and death has lost. We're surrounded in a world of death. But even as it says in Psalm 23, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear because thou art with me. Jesus is with us. That's the beauty of the resurrection. That's the power of the gospel that Jesus, by his spirit, is here. And he is not far. You know, we we talk about the man at the throne. He is at the throne. But by his spirit, he is with us, even in us. And that is the victory for us if we're to make it through these dark and troubling times. That's the victory for anyone. That is the way... The way of the cross, dying to what is seen, what is natural, what is of yourself, dying to those things, and being lifted up in the power of the resurrection, the spirit, the gospel of grace, that we are forgiven for all sins, we have the blessings of the Lord. And when we can get a hold of that, we have power for our daily life, and we also have an eternal inheritance. But we were talking last week about how do you access these things because it's invisible god is at this time invisible we cannot see him and so we talked about last week how our light affliction is working for us an exceeding eternal weight of glory and someone says well my affliction is not light well remember paul said this and paul's affliction was greater than any of ours the things we went he went through we read through that list but when you see the invisible your affliction no matter how great it is right now can seem light in comparison, but it takes faith to have that. And so Psalm 25, 14, we said that the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him, and he will show them his covenant. If you fear God, if that is, if you make the Lord your heart set, the setting of your heart, I must, he's the priority, he will do the showing. He will open your eyes. He will give you a taste of the eternal and of the goodness of God and of the things invisible. And so that was the secret that got Paul through in which he could say, I've got an exceeding eternal weight of glory. And every one of us, every one of us can say that too if we are looking not at the things which are seen, which are temporal, but the things that are unseen, which are... Unseen things are eternal. Right, somebody passed the pop quiz. So today we're going to talk more about how to... You access these things because even though the world rejects Christ, they don't see Christ because they can't see the invisible. The church can because we have been given a vision of who he is. And yet we too can be nearsighted. We can be bound by traditions. We can be bound by the situation, the circuit. We're focusing on that. When Jesus himself stood before the Pharisees, they rejected him. And these were the most religious folks in the land at the time. They rejected the Son of God. When the very truth himself, the way, the truth, and the life stood before the Pharisees, they rejected him. Why? Because they were not seeing by faith. 
2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, we walk by faith and not by sight. What did they see? They did not see a deliverer from Roman oppression, which is what they were looking for. They only saw what they had in their sights by tradition, what they thought the Messiah should be. And sometimes we do the same thing. We can put Jesus in a box. I think he should be like this. He should be doing this right now in my life. I don't understand why he's not helping here or what's going on here. We can get bound by that and get nearsighted. But if we could get a vision, really increasing our vision, we've all had a little bit, but as disciples, walking by faith, that means that you're not being stagnant. You're not still. You're walking. You're moving forward. So each one of us, wherever we're at in our faith journey, we should be journeying. We have not arrived yet. And the problem is many times we just get stuck or stagnant and we're not growing. We can't see. And so we slip. We get overtaken by the trials. We become uh, fallen creatures to the temptations. We become overcome by discouragement or anxiety, things like that. When if we could just see the invisible we wouldn't have to get into that spot. If you could see the glory of Christ, you would not desire anything else. I mean, face it, in the natural, you think of Jesus. He was a, a carpenter, carpenter's son. He, he just looked like any other of the Israelites. And, you know, what was there to draw man to him? That's why the Pharisees rejected him. They couldn't see him by faith. But by faith, you could see the high and holy one, the one who sits at the throne and above the heavens, the creator of the universe, the Lord over angels and king of kings and, and over all things created, all things created for him. Here's the highest, holiest one, the one with the greatest prestige in all the universe and all the created order, including angels and demons and whatever there is working in the spiritual realms. Jesus Christ is above it all. And if we got a glimpse, a glimpse of that glory, we wouldn't desire anything else. And we'd, if we got a glimpse of that glory and understood that we belong to that, that we have a share in that, that we are partakers of that with him, that he has done that for us, that the love of God gave that to us when we didn't deserve it, if we could get these things by faith, we wouldn't desire anything else. In the same way, if you got a vision for what sin really looks like, sin wouldn't have any power over you because sin when you see past the, the uh, immediate temptation of it, is the ugliest thing in the world. That, see, this is what the world doesn't understand. They can't understand. They just go by what is being recorded through their eyes or through their senses, through their feelings, through t see, feel, hear, taste, touch, smell, what you name it. It's all natural, and it's all according to what is seen. And so uh, in... AD 70, when the Romans took the temple in Jerusalem, they said that the soldiers came in and they didn't see any idols in the temple. And they said, these Jews must worship the clouds. Why did they say that? Because all the Romans, Roman temples had idols. They all had to have something that they could see or touch or bow down to. But the Jews must worship the clouds. They couldn't get it because the, the things of the spirit are foolishness to the natural person. So as our walking by faith, we want to grow and know and go in the things that are eternal. They didn't understand. The world is blinded to the ultimate good. And the Romans were blinded. And, you know, today, those Roman, that Roman uh, setup, that Roman empire is no longer there. But the people of God are still growing. And the people are, of God are still going. And, and we 
have the written revelation that we will continue for all eternity. And we, we have been and, and are, even though it looks sparse out there, even though this place isn't overflowing with people, but we're still here. And the church is going to last, as I've said many times before, it's going to last till the end, even though the odds seem to be against it, but we don't go by what we're seeing. That's the beauty of faith. The odds may always seem overwhelming, but they don't have the final say. The final say is what's written in the word and that we have a risen Savior and Lord who cannot perish or be gone or taken out by an assassin's bullet or be re-voted for an election or whatever it is. Jesus will reign forever and ever. And so we get a glimpse of the eternal because we're walking according to that. Well, you say, well, i got to deal with things now in the temporal. So what's, what good is seeing the invisible? I've got bills to pay. I've got relationships to mend. I've got awful things at work going on. And, and I've I, I got to pay the rent. You know, how do you get by in the temporal? You have to remember that we walk by faith, not by sight, that there is more than meets the eye. There's more that's going on. And when you can look at the visible, invisible, when you can hone in on the eternal and understand the internal, know that God is with you. And really, I mean not just thinking in your head and knowing that this is a truth, but having your heart set in that direction and looking for that. When you look to the eternal, you have power for the temporal. When you look to the eternal, you have power for the temporal. You are going to be able to walk through, get through, be carried through by the Lord and not have anything burning you or drowning you or even having the smell of smoke come upon you as you come out of it. I'm not saying all your problems disappear. They don't disappear. We'll have problems till the end. The only time they'll disappear is when we disappear, when we go to be with the Lord. But if we're looking to the eternal, he's going to give you power for the temporal. And somehow or another, we always seem to make it through. I could tell you story upon story upon how the odds were against us and how it didn't look like we were going to make it. And I'm standing here today to say, we made it. And, you know, even today, we're going to make it. Um, It's because we're looking to the eternal. And that's what gives me the hope. And when you don't look at the eternal like that, the temporal will have more power. And that's where people may fall apart and not make it. So this is very important. All this is a long introduction, introduction heavy. I'm not going to keep us for hours, but uh, um, the idea is that we are walking by faith. We are not stagnant, stuck, overcome, but we keep moving forward. And when you can see the invisible, then you can get the more to this life. There's more than what there appears to the natural eye. The main focus today we want to look at is Moses in Hebrews chapter 11. In Hebrews chapter 11, um, we can learn how to sharpen our vision because Moses saw him who is invisible. It says in verse 24, By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he looked to the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. And thank you for keeping this scripture up while we talk about it. Um, This scripture, first of all, this is an amazing passage when you really think about it. As we dig into this, I hope you're going to see there is a great miracle in this whole passage. 
In fact, when I look at it, I think this could be on par with, maybe even greater than the splitting of the Red Sea. That was an awesome miracle, right? But, you know, this doesn't seem as awesome, but here's the point. Moses had it all. Moses grew up having it all. He had the situation. He had the luxury. He had the power. And yet, he rejected all that for what? For the reproach of the people of God? For, for the, um, you know, for giving up the powerhouse of the Egyptian authority? All these things. How could he, being ingrained in that, refuse that temptation? And, you know, it is amazing that he did, because what did he have to go on? He didn't have the promises and the scriptures that we have. But this gives us a clue. What did he have? He had him who is invisible. He had the eternal vision. He could see, and he knew not to be snared by the temporal. So we can learn from this. How can we get through the way Moses did And we can learn by three terms that would describe the instruction this verse brings to us. The terms would be to refuse, choose, and put on shoes. Okay? You can remember that one. Refuse, choose, and put on shoes. And you will see the invisible. You will be impacted, empowered by the invisible. Now, how do you get that? Well, here. Let's look at what Moses refused, choosed, and how he put on shoes. The first verse says that he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Okay? In contrast to that, he refused that he chose to be identified with the people of God. It was either identify with the house of Pharaoh or identify with the house of God. And by all natural you know, looks, I already said it would be foolish, crazy, it's the Romans coming in. These Jews worship the clouds. Where is the, where is the fancy stuff? He had all the fancy stuff, and yet somehow he refused it, and he chose to be with the lesser, according to the natural anyway, the lesser. Now, how could he do this? He obviously had a fear of the Lord. He had the secret. Remember, the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him, and he will show them, God will show them his covenant. Moses feared the Lord. When we talk about fearing the Lord, we're talking about that is where your heart is set. It's like a thermostat. You set the thermostat for in your house. You set it for the air. And you don't have the power to bring that air to that position, but the power comes through the unit and eventually gets to that position. You have the power to turn that thermostat to where you want it to be. And fearing the Lord is turning the thermostat, the heart set, to things eternal, to to the invisible God. Moses had that. The fear of the Lord also means that God is the priority and that there's understanding involved that we are not the center of our universe. And that's the big lesson from that section of the verse. He did not consider himself the center. If he was, he would take whatever it takes to boost him up, and that would be the house of Pharaoh. It's not all about me, and it's not all about you. We are all about the Lord. And that goes so contrary to how the world thinks. The gospel of the world is to realize you and to find you and to do you and to be you. And that's, that's a gospel that doesn't lead to eternal reward. It leads to destruction. 
And we see that happening all the time. So he chose to be identified with the people of God. He refused the Pharaoh's house. Next, it says he chose rather to suffer afflictions with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, to refuse sin. He refused, remember, refuse, choose, and then put on shoes. He refused sin, the passing pleasures of sin. I like the King James. He refused the pleasures of sin for a season. Sin is only for a season. It's only for a season. The passing, it passes. And, uh, you know, we heard, I don't know if you heard the old rhyme, sin will take you farther than you want to go. It will keep you longer than you want to stay. It will cost you more than you want to pay. Sin is like that. But people, the world doesn't understand that. The world looks at the natural, says, hey, that looks good, I want to take it. And then they don't understand that it's a passing pleasure, it's only for a season. I read one commentator say that, uh, you know, he rejected the pleasures for a season that would pass, but he's been enjoying the presence of God for thousands of years now. Isn't that a good trade? He's, in, in your presence is fullness of joy, says in Psalm 16, I believe. So, you have understanding in which you refuse that because you have wisdom that is from heaven. There is a wisdom there. We live in a culture of self-gratification, gratification, instant gratification. And I'm guilty. When I get a headache, I'll grab for the pills as soon as I can get rid of this headache fast. I don't want to endure anything. You know, we got to fix it, fix it, fix it. But he chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God. And there it is what Paul said, and we talked last week, for our light affliction is working for us. Keyword, working for us. That affliction with the people of God was working for him. We know Moses today, we're celebrating Moses today, but if he had chosen the wrong things and did not refuse the power of Egypt, the sins of Egypt, things, we wouldn't be talking about him. You see, your afflictions are working for you. We don't know it, but our trials can actually become our trophies. And I think, you know, I think when we get through to the eternal glory and the eternal age, we're going to look back, and some of the hardest times we went through, we're probably going to think, man, you know, I feel pretty good about it. I got through that, or God got me through that. You know, I remember in college when I had classes, there were the easy blow-off classes, and then there were the classes that were incredibly hard. But what did I feel more accomplished with after I finished? It was the harder class. And, you know, I don't love affliction. I don't care to choose affliction. But I choose to believe that the affliction is working for us. And that an exceeding an eternal weight of glory. And that's what Moses understood. And if we could get that, we wouldn't be phased. Next thing he chose and refused was... He esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. So he refused the treasures in Egypt, and he chose the reproach of Christ. You know, Jesus said, uh, Blessed are those who are persecuted for my name's sake. There is a blessing that comes, a reward that comes. He considered the reward, it says. So... You know, he refused the treasures in Egypt because the treasures in Egypt were only for the time of Egypt. He understood looking at things seen were temporal, but looking at the unseen is eternal. 
And Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So it's the reward. What is the reward before us? What is the reward before anybody? When you consider, what would be the reward for the Egyptians? They worshipped false gods. They worshipped idols. What was their reward going to be for that? And we've already seen what the reward was. They were destroyed. They, they fell. But the reward that we have is eternal, and it's beyond anything that we could imagine is glorious on this earth. We have an inheritance that cannot fade or be taken from us, and we have all eternity to be in peace and rest and harmony and glory and in the greater manifestation of God's light and love. We have something that's going on forever. What is the reward of the world at this time? You know, the Bible says that the wrath of God abides on those who trust not in Jesus. That there is a wrath coming. There is a judgment coming. There is an end. There is a reward to godlessness. There's a reward to sin. And it looks like it might go on forever this way in the world, but it's not going to go on forever. It is the passing uh, season. And if you don't look to the reward you may get tripped up by the temporal. So Moses wouldn't do it. He looked to the reward. Now, again, all this, I think, is a, a miraculous kind of thing because, you know, how was it that he was so able to resist the temptations of Egypt? But he put on shoes. By faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. He, he did not look to the wrath, he looked to what he couldn't see. And that is the secret. If you're in a spot right now, what's keeping you from seeing the invisible? What do you need to choose? What do you need to refuse? What, how do you put on How do you go forward in a manner of obedience and faith so that you can endure your trial? Moses put him who is invisible before him, saw the reward of the eternal, and shunned that which was trying to distract or take him away from that. And that's the key. And when you can do that, you can endure. That's what it says. Now, we, we can choose, and we can choose the good things of God, but do we refuse those things that are trying to pull us away from God? And there are many people in the church that have one foot in the church and one foot in the world. They've chosen the good things, but they haven't shunned the things that are unhealthy. They haven't shunned the things that can steal from them. Steal, kill, and destroy. We have an inheritance. It's not just for when we die, go to heaven. We can start enjoying the inheritance now and the victory now and the Holy Spirit power in our lives now. But we have to shun that which is trying to steal that, distract us from that, and to get us off track. Now, all of this that Moses was successful with, contrast that to our mother in in the human race, Eve. In Genesis 3, verse 6, we see that when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Look at, look at what happened here. Eve was in a perfect setup, a perfect situation, and she saw she saw what? She saw the tree that was good for food and it was pleasant to the eyes. You consider Moses. Look at all that Moses saw that was pleasant to the eye. He had all, all he could want, all the comforts and luxuries. And Eve 
looked at that and gave in to it. And what was the outcome of that? She did not consider the reward of that. She did not consider uh, what she was supposed to refuse or choose. And she should have put on shoes. She should have refused the temptation of that tree, of the serpent, offering the fruit from that tree. She should have chose to stand on the word of God, what God had said, and she should have chose from any other of the trees in the garden because he had given her every other tree in the garden. And isn't that like our human nature, right? You know, we're, we're always looking at what we don't have. We're always looking at what we need rather than what we already have. There, we have so much. We have all the trees in the garden, and yet that one thing that we're missing right now, we've got to have it. We're not going to be happy until we have it. And, and it looks so good, but we, we fail to see all the other provision. And, you know, I can get like that as much as anybody else. It's so easy to just get honed in and focused and look at the problem or look at what we're missing when God has provided so much. And I think of that song, Count Your Blessings, Name Them One by One. And I wish I could remember the lyrics to them. But that that idea of counting your blessings is crucial because it is the right choice. You choose what you're looking at. And you refuse to be intimidated by the temptation of, of the one tree. So she should have got out of there. She should have put on shoes and left. And we often, you know, we often get into that position to what is it right now that's confronting you in life, that's trying to get you off track? What do you need to refuse? What do you need to choose? And then how do you obey? How do you go forward putting on your shoes, all right? Now, you might say, why does he keep saying this? It's so you'll remember. You know, that, these little things are, are ways of remembering. Now, we all fail and fall short, but here's the good news is that God is full of grace. God is always willing to work with us whenever we come back to him. And we see in John chapter 20, uh, someone who had to see. He wasn't thinking in terms of the eternal or the invisible. But Thomas, it says, uh, called the twin, one of the twelve was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. So he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. Jesus came the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Where's Thomas? Boy, I want to show him a thing or two. No, he, he comes in. He always comes to us and says, Peace to you. That's, he is so secure in himself, and he is so full of love. He's so full of patience, so full of grace. He comes in and says, Peace to you. And then he said to Thomas, Thomas, okay, I got a word. No, he said, Reach your finger. He met Thomas where Thomas was. Reach your finger here and look at my hands, and reach your hand here, and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God, Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen, and yet have believed. So Thomas, he didn't take the word. The word was, we have seen the Lord. But Thomas said, until I see it, I'm not going to believe it. You know, when we came back from China, we landed in Missouri, and I found out that Missouri was called the show me state. Show me, show me. And it reflects, you know, most people think about 
I won't believe it until I see it. Or I'll believe it when I see it. But walking by faith is, I won't see it until I believe it, usually. Usually it requires the belief part first. You have to believe before you see. That's why it's called faith. It's not faith if you can see it. That's called sight. But we walk by faith and not by sight. So can you believe before you see? If you can believe before you see, Jesus says that you are blessed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. There is a blessing. Can you say, I'm blessed? Many of you might feel like I'm cursed. I have such a hard, I have such a rotten thing. But in Christ, you are blessed. It says in Christ that you have every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. In uh, Ephesians 1, verse 3. Your sins have been forgiven. Your past is erased. You're cleansed by the blood. Your future is secure. You've got an inheritance that is out glorious than anything that could have happened to anybody. You are royalty. You've been raised up with Christ. You are seated in heavenly places with him, according to Ephesians chapter 2. You have it all. Well, where is it? Well, look to what is unseen, and you will have it in the eternal. And if you have it now in the eternal, you'll have power over your temporal. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. How many times have you prayed, and then you get an answer to your prayer, and then you praise God, you give him thanks and praise. How about thanking him and praising him before you receive the answer to the prayer? That's where the blessing is. That's the walk of faith. That's the prayer of faith. Can you pray for something and believe it before you receive it? Believe in your heart that you have it, and it will, you will have it, Jesus said. So this is what we want to grow in. This is what it means to walk by faith. And this is, we're talking about disciples and making disciples and being disciples. Discipleship is growing in the character and holiness of God, but it's also growing in how to walk by faith because we are always inundated with the natural, the seen, the temporal. And as disciples, we're going to mess up. We're going to fall prey to that. But as we grow, we are going to go further. And we are going to have, this is what this is all about as we're still here, growing in the things of the eternal and having them enter into our hearts where the heart is a thing that's unseen, but God looks at the heart. And then they play out. Once it comes into your heart, then you will have the revelation, the manifestation. that Things unseen will become seen, and not just later, but in your life. You will have fruit come forth. You'll see the answers to prayer. You'll see things happen for God's glory if we can go forward and endure as seeing him who is invisible. How do you see him who is invisible? Last verse, Matthew 5, 8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Now you say, I'm not pure in heart. Yes, you are. If you've placed your faith in Jesus, Jesus is your purity. That's the good news of the gospel. But even so, I believe that the pure in this section really just means you've got a sincere heart. You've got a heart that's not hypocritical. You're not playing games. You want to see the Lord? Really? The pure, the sincere, if you sincerely want it, you shall. You shall see God. And this is a wonderful promise. It just, if you just think about it as one day we're going to see the Lord, 
That would be make every, I'm stumbling over my words. Maybe it's Dan and Elizabeth here. I'm nervous. Um, no, um, but one of these days you're going to see God and that's going to make everything compensated for. You're going to have, you're not going to think of any of these past horrors, terrors, trials that we've gone through because one look at the face of Jesus in, in, uh, in the age to come is going to just make it all okay. But I believe that this verse is a promise not just for then, it's for now too. It's for our walk. It's for our journey. That is, we shall see God. If we are sincere and if we are taking the righteousness of Christ as our own, understanding that he paid it all for us, we don't owe him because we can't pay him. We can only receive and be blessed if we look to him and have him as the Lord in our heart, that makes us pure. We will see God, and we will see him today, tomorrow, in whatever struggle you're going through. You know, he's there all the time. That's how Moses endured. He saw him who was invisible, but it wasn't a far-off thing. It wasn't in eternity to come. It was then and there. And brothers and sisters, God is with us right now, here today, Whatever we're going through, whatever you're going through, his love doesn't change for you. His love is stronger than we can understand and know. But we have to look for him. We have to have a heart set for him, fearing the Lord. And he will show his secret to those who fear the Lord. He will show his secret. And then we'll get through, and then we'll start to rejoice together in the testimonies. We'll start to see his works become, become seen. It starts invisible, but it will become visible. And everything that's happening right now, we can all get through it if we endure seeing him who is invisible. Amen. Lord, help us to see what we can't see with our natural eyes. Help us to have hearts touched and affected by your Holy Spirit and that you would just reveal to us in the days ahead your presence and your working in our lives, in, your, in, in our situations. Help us to see what we have more than what we don't have. And Lord, help us to get things out of your word that we haven't got before, that they would just go straight into our spirit, equipping us, strengthening us, and helping us to grow as we learn to walk by faith. And we thank you, Lord, for all that you've provided. We thank you for the hope we have in Jesus, the good news in Jesus' name. You know, that's one last thing I want to say. It is a blessing to walk by faith. You know, walking by sight is a lot easier, but what is the blessing? Jesus said, blessed are you who have not seen. The blessing is, is that the final answer is not according to what it looks like. We always have the authority and the answer of the word of God. That's the final answer. And God is for us and not against us. We're not bound to the way things are in the temporal. And that's the blessing of walking by faith.